Hello and welcome to the Talking and Stuff podcast. I am your host, Tyler Brown, and it's a beautiful sunny day on a Sunday. See what happened there? I did that? Yeah, I'm smart. Uh, also a great day because last night was UFC 262, 1, 261. That was close to being a right cock up from the start. UFC 261 yesterday. Uh, can I just say overall, what a great event. Uh, it's great to have crowds back in. 15,000 straight away was kind of shocking to me because you'd expect them to go up small and maybe start building up. Like going from maybe start of 2,000, maybe 5,000, but then go to 10,000, then go to 15,000 over an, a, a period of time. But they didn't do that. They instead went straight to the 15,000. Full packed house that was sold out. No social distancing. It was Everyone is in the seat. I mean, it it worked to be a great visual, but, you know, I didn't see many people wearing masks and that's up to them, I guess, in that, in that arena. If they want to go into an arena not wearing a mask, you know, they're putting themselves at risk. Um, I know it's in an area with somewhat low COVID cases, but we'll have to see how those COVID cases shoot up after the event, if they shoot up. I think I was saying this yesterday to my mate who I was watching the event with. It's, it's kind of like, you know, what is a success for the crowd? You know, what is going to be a success for UFC coming out of this event? You know, five COVID cases, 10 COVID cases, 20 COVID cases, 100 COVID cases. What is a success rate and what is failure when it comes to the amount of people that may catch COVID from the sold out house? So, you know, it's a dodgy road to go down, but putting that aside and being a spectator from my own home and enjoying it from another country and not having to worry about, you know, the safety regulations and just being able to enjoy an event. It was great seeing 15,000 people. It was great hearing 15,000 people. Um, you know, people said, um, you know, UFCs have done fine without crowds. They're not, it's not as important as it is to maybe something like pro wrestling. Uh, while I agree with that, my God, can a crowd definitely make or break an event? You know, when Bruce Buffer was reading out the name, like, just introducing fighters, the energy, that main event energy from the Usman and Masvidal fight when Bruce Buffer went, and now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. And it was just like, yes, we're back in the swing of things. It was it was something special. It was something that we haven't had, well, in over a year now, and it was, it was amazing. Amazing to see, a beautiful visual. Uh, just seemed to be... Some killer energy, seems to be happiness, seems to be joy. It was a, a great night. Fight-wise, I thought it was a, a, a f- interesting night. I don't know if we saw necessarily, you know, murderous bouts from the main cards that were fight of the year contenders, but it was kind of shocking and interesting. What happened to Chris Weidman breaking his leg was just brutal, and you couldn't predict something like that. It was, it was just barbaric back like that leg kick and he snaps his leg if you're not a, a mixed martial arts fan or you know you are but you didn't catch this event or maybe you're a, 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 I guess a mainstream audience and you've heard of it and you haven't seen it at your own I guess warning at your own warning go and watch that replay of Chris Wiping breaking his leg it is one of the most brutal and disgusting things I've ever seen uh, from a UFC event it's more, in my opinion, more disgusting and graphic than the uh, Anderson Silva 
leg break that Chris Weidman, uh, not inflicted, but he checked Anderson's leg kick and Anderson's leg just snapped right then and there. It was more brutal to that, than that, and it was to Chris Weidman. And I mean, I feel so sorry for Weidman, and I hope for a really speedy recovery. But wow, it is I like ironic that Chris Weidman was the one that got his leg broken when he was the one that checked Anderson's leg kick eight years ago, or well, yeah, eight years ago in November, and bang, his leg snapped then and there, and that happened to Anderson. It's just, it's just strange. It's so weird. And another another thing to come out of that fight was, you know, that was interesting and kind of scary when you think of it. Chris Weidman beat Uriah Hall in Uriah Hall's first, I believe it was UFC fight. Uriah Hall beat Chris Weidman again in their rematch, just beat him now. Chris Weidman was the first person to beat Anderson Silva. Uriah Hall was the last person to beat him. Put that, put that alongside the leg kick snap in the Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman fight, and now the Chris Weidman and Uriah Hall fight. It's so weird to think about, and pff, brutal, brutal. And I really do wish a speedy recovery, uh, to Chris Weidman. Another thing that was dangerous when it came to leg kicks, I forget the names of the fighters, and I, you know, I should really be doing research here, and I will get the fighters' names up actually. Uh, so if you hear clicking away at my keyboard, that's me getting the fighters up. But it was the second bout of the night. Uh, and someone delivered a very well-placed, nasty leg kick that just ruined this man. Uh, it just ruined this man. He, he kind of collapsed from it. It was a beautiful leg kick. So the, the leg kicks were dangerous on this card. Very, very dangerous. Um, let me just see, just to not be... Uh, disrespectful. Anthony Smith. I know Anthony Smith. Yeah, Anthony Smith and Jimmy Crute. Uh, Jimmy Crute just got his leg caved in by a by a, an, an Anthony Smith leg kick, and Jimmy collapsed. Um, he got up. He collapsed again. It was brutal and a doctor stoppage. So there was a lot of leg kind of leg injuries, leg kicks. Of course the. Uh, the strawweight championship bout between Rose Namanunes and Wei Li Zhang ended with a head kick. So there was so much kind of a lot to do with kicks, uh, broken legs, injured legs. Uh, such an interesting night when you think of it from that uh, point of view. So, you know, I wasn't going to talk about the first three fights on this card, or at least two fights, sorry, on the main card, because I didn't think, um, you know, that's not what you come for. You come to hear about the the big main events and the big title fights, and we had three of them. Uh, and we will get onto them, but I want to talk about the facts that a lot of Chinese fighters, uh, the night started with a great kind of two-round battle, but basically a one-round battle uh, between these two women. I really do apologise if I'm saying uh, the Chinese fighter's name wrong. Naya Lang, I believe, something like that. I do apologise, so now I'm ready to get corrected by anyone that wants to correct me. She fought her art out. Her haircut was very interesting, and um, if you have UFC Fight Pass, it was the first fight of the night. I'd go and watch it. These two, and it was um, Carmelosa was her opponent, and I hope I'm saying that right. She was the one who won the fight. These two women were going out 
they really got this crowd started. Of course, not all the crowd were in the arena at the time. It was the prelim fight. But the crowd that was there was on fire. I was getting really excited. First fight at night, and these two women are going out trying to murder each other, right? Punching each other, facing, doing great groundwork as well, really entertaining groundwork. It was just a fiery fight. Um, Naya Lang worked her heart out. Uh, Carmelosa, great performance as well. Uh, Naya Lang, I was saying this as a, as a joke uh, to my mate who I was watching the event with, but she could definitely have branding behind her, that haircut. Put that haircut on a T-shirt and that fiery fighter that she is. Uh, you could definitely brand her something special. I know she's lost her debut now, but really, there's a lot of branding we could have here with this. And she's young, 24 years old. Definitely some branding that could happen. Um, you know, and she was on a win streak before she came into the UFC. Uh, and she's a, she's a big finisher. A very high finish rate, if not all of her fights. No, not every fight she's had. She's lost by unanimous decision before. But other than that, she's a, everything she's won, she is a finisher. She's only had one decision loss ever. Other than that, finishing all around. I mean, that's a fighter you want in the UFC, someone that's that entertaining. And, I mean, it's, she is. She was very entertaining. Um, of course, there was a, uh, three Chinese fighters. Uh, I didn't hear all the facts behind the reason for the uh, large amount. I know that Dana White wanted to get more international superstars over uh, due to the fact that I believe someone brought the fact, well, there's only one Chinese champion and that's Wilei Zhang. So, you know, he would want more champions. Uh, and he's got three Chinese fighters. All of them lost, um, except for Wilei Zhang, of course, but she was already here. But the new exports, uh, they came in, all of them lost. Uh, part of great performances, though, I must say, some really entertaining fights. Um... From what I remember, Jeff Molina, and I can't say this guy's name, so I won't even try and butcher it. Uh, they put on a great fight when it came to kind of ending the round. Fire, uh, just fire ends to each round, and the third round they had was great. So there's some great prelim bouts that you could definitely watch. Overall, nine out of the thirteen fights were stoppages or finishes of some sort. That includes leg breaks and doctor stoppages, of course. Uh, just an entertaining, magical night. Uh, overall, and I think if you were put off by the facts that UFC haven't had a crowd and you don't want to be watching UFC events for that, pop this event on. Um, don't watch every fight if you don't want to, but I mean, overall, just a, a really fun uh, night full of great fights. Um, just great. I really enjoyed it all. Uh, so let's get on to the, the, main, the main thing you're coming for, really. The main fights, the three championship bouts. Uh, the first championship bout was the UFC Flyweight Championship. Valentina Shevchenko v. Jessica Andrade. Um, Valentina is unstoppable. I think I've mentioned her on this podcast. And we've mentioned her fights in previous UFC podcasts. But she is a killer, man. She is an absolute killer. Unstoppable. I, I don't see anyone stopping her. I don't see anyone beating her. Um... I know that she's faced Amanda Nunes before, and Amanda Nunes has beaten her in other divisions. But other than that, who's going to beat Valentina, man? She is a killer. You know, I was thinking, you know, maybe there will be a bit of a, bit of a, I guess, I guess a fight would be put up a bit. She would struggle a bit. That's what I was expecting against Andrade, just a tiny bit. And I saw Andrade, Andrade looked fiery, Andrade was coming out. 
you know, wanting to get that victory and had a lot of fire behind her. But it was just not enough. It was not enough. Valentina was composed. Valentina looked really good. And she got that crucifix in and just rained down strikes. Um, and it was just, wow. Just wow. Um, that's, a, I believe, that's a, a second win by crucifix, uh, ground and pound for Valentina in a championship fight. Uh, she, of course, beat uh, Caitlin Chikogin. I hope I'm saying that name right. Probably not. Uh, by ground and pound in the crucifix. She's done it here against uh, Jessica Andrade. I mean, she is unstoppable. Um, when you haven't lost a fight since 2017, you know you're something special. And she is something special. Hasn't lost a fight since 2017. Uh, that was a two Amanda Nunes, as we mentioned. Look what Amanda Nunes has gone on to be. Uh, a dominant fighter in her own right. And we see a dominant fight here in Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, it's... It's... Uh, we've said this, I was saying this to my mate, that the women's fighters are really now coming out of their shell. They've been, for the past couple of years, they've really, really been proving themselves. Um, Valentina, uh, of course, the, the second championship fight of the night, Fug Rose v. Rayleigh Zhang. Rayleigh Zhang had that fight of the year last year. Um, and just really proving themselves, especially the champions of these women's divisions, really proving themselves to be some of the best. I'd say some of the some of the women champions are better than some of the men champions. And this is what we were saying to my mate is um, we were talking about, you know, in football, you see a bit of discrimination. You see the racism in football and you see kind of discrimination and not everything seems fair in football. And even in things like the NBA, the women don't get as much of a spotlight as the men do. Um, a lot of sports when it comes to these types of things, there's a men's division and a women's division, but the men's division gets most of the glory. But with the UFC, um, it's completely different. And with MMA in general, it's everyone's on the same kind of level. A, a woman can main event a card. That was proved by Ronda Rousey straight away as soon as she entered the UFC. Um, but even now, with a lack of kind of mainstream appeal, that Ronda Rousey brings, there's a lack of that now because she's not there. Um, and I can't really think of a a woman superstar that's really broken through to the mainstream on such a big level. Um, but they really proved themselves and they've put on fights in the night. And it's it's amazing. It's amazing to watch. It's amazing to see. Um, and Valentina Shevchenko is one of the best. An absolute domination here. And I, I just don't know who's going to stop her. I just don't know. Um, in another fight, in the second championship fight of the night, another woman's fight, the UFC strawweight championship on the line. Wow. Not much to say because it was such a short fight. One minute and 18 seconds, round one. Rose Dammer Nunes. Fuck Rose! As Daniel Cormier likes to say, knocked out Wayne Jean with a head kick. Wow. Right on the button. In that slow motion replay, you see Wayne Jean's eyes go right to the back of her head. She goes straight down. And, oh, it was, it was an emotional moment because it's great to see way, uh, it's great to see Rosna Menounez, um get back to that pinnacle that she was at. Of course, in 2017, she won the Women's Strawweight Championship. Um, and she's, ever since she got a defence in, I believe, I, if I'm right, she did against, uh, of course, Joanna. 
uh, got a defence in, but then lost to Andrade. Got that win over Jessica again, and then she went on to beat Rayleigh Jean here, and it was a, a great journey back to the, the the top after a brutal slam from Jessica Andrade uh, last year, or two years ago now at this rate, 2019. Um, that many people said, well, Rose is never going to be the same. Well, she got a victory over Andrade, got that revenge, and then went on to finish Rayleigh Jean with a beautiful head kick white on the button. Rayleigh's eyes, as I said, went in the back of the head. She went straight down. And Rayleigh said she slipped. Rayleigh was saying the, the referee um, took, or at least the referee finished it too early, uh, made his decision too early and ended the fight way too early. I disagree. That head kick had her down. Uh, not necessarily out, but by the time that she got head kicked and by the time Rose got over her to her to deliver some extra strikes, Rayleigh hadn't really moved. Um, and those extra strikes, I mean, if you're a referee and you've just seen Rayleigh get her head kicked uh, in, in such a way, you know, what are you going to think in the moment? And even looking at the replay, it was obviously not stopped early, at least in my opinion. And uh, in the post-fight interview, Rayleigh, um, you know, contested it. I don't think she had... I think when she watches it back full-on, properly... I think she'll realise that she's wrong there and it wasn't an early stoppage. But watching Rose just get emotional and well up was an amazing moment. And just to, an amazing moment to end such a... To, or at least to kind of... It was a cherry on the cake of what was already a great uh, event and we still had the main event to go. Uh, such an emotional moment and such a, a magical event, really. Um, a great... And I'm, uh, I would have liked to see those two go five rounds and go out... Go, to war with each other but you know an early I guess finish is also something entertaining and you know shocking and came out of nowhere so I will not complain uh main event time Kamar Usman Jorge Masvidal this was something um that a lot of people were in Kamaru's you know Kamaru was the favorite um, and that's because Kamaru absolutely dominated Jorge with the wrestling last time. And I think Kamaru is known for his wrestling, of course. I think a lot of people that maybe don't necessarily watch, hadn't watched the Gilbert Burns fight of Kamaru and only saw his performance against Jorge probably thought it'll be a wrestle fest. Kamaru will just dominate for five rounds with the wrestling again. Well, Trevor Whitman in Kamaru's uh, corner, Trevor Whitman, obviously, a UFC coach, he's just changed the game. He's, I, I don't know if he's necessarily... He's definitely helped Kamaru's striking along, but I, I just think it's not even that he's changed him from a wrestler to a striker now. It's simple um, it's simple game of giving him confidence, I think. I think uh, that he has confidence that he never had before in, in his striking, uh, has the confidence to stand up against a great striker in Jorge. Jorge's a fantastic striker, and he had the confidence to stand up with him. Jorge said, uh, of course, if you didn't know, Kamaru landed a fucking beautiful knockout. A beautiful, um, I don't remember, it was a right or left hand, but it was just, it was like a rocky knockout because in the in the slow motion replay, you see all that sweat or water go off Jorge when that punch lands and I was just thinking of Rocky and he went straight down. It was night, night, straight with that punch. Beautiful, powerful, killer knockout. Um I mean, we had some great knockouts on on this card, in my opinion. Um, but this was something else. This was something else. Brutal. We've seen we've seen flashy knockouts. We've seen flying knees. We've seen 
um, flashy punches, but just a beautiful cross, right cross, and that's all you need. A beautiful right-hand cross. It was so fantastic. It was right on the button. Amazing. And Jorge uh, said in the post-fight interview that he expected to wrestle, and I understand that. If you were in the previous fight, you would expect that. But as I said, looking at Kamara's performance against Gilbert Burns, it was less wrestling and a bit more striking. And I think now Kamaru has taken out Jorge emphatically. There's no left open door for me. There's no, well, if he didn't wrestle, if he didn't take on a Jorge that was only in the fight on five days' notice, if he didn't take on a, if he could beat a uh, fully trained Jorge that had a full camp, there's no question for me, and beat him with a knockout, beat him on with the striking. Um, what I did notice is the first round, Kamal Usman's striking was a bit dodgy for me. Uh, had some dodgy moments and was he left himself open. He overextended a lot of times where if he did that more in the second round, Jorge was going to knock him out. Uh, but Trevor Whitman, obviously, when he went into the corner for the second round, Trevor Whitman probably just said, listen, boy, calm down a tiny bit, wait for that moment, corner him and get him, just get him right out, knocked out. Uh, and, and that's what happened. Kamaru, everyone's saying he's the greatest welterweight of all time. And of course, for me, it's, it, that's George Tapia. And I think the GOAT moniker is thrown around a lot and with too much ease. But he's really not the GOAT for me. But he's forming his own path now. And if he can continue to also home that striking, make that striking even as, even better and as good as his wrestling, I think we do have something special on our hands and something unbeatable. Uh, at this point, I don't know who... Is going to take on Kamau and could beat him. He's going to take on Kobe Covington. Those two had a great fight um, in December of 2019. But, you know, Kamau won that. But we'll see how Covington can maybe change up the game if they do have this rematch. Um, but other than that, Kamau had a great night. Jorge, I don't know what's next for him at all. Nick Diaz was in the crowd. Um, a lot of faces in the crowd. Justin Gaethje, Jake Paul was in the crowd. And I wish he got jumped and fucking punched in. He's a dickhead, but, you know, uh, Nick Diaz is in the crowd. Nick Diaz is apparently going to fight again. Uh, Dana's looking for a fight for him. That's going to be interesting, a 37-year-old coming back after six years. Um, something really interesting in, in a, such a talent-rich division if he does cho- uh, choose to go to welterweight um, and, and fight there. But I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see because what if Nick Diaz can have a successful run? Um to the point maybe he gets two victories over top competition. And he takes on Kamal Usman. A fight that you'd never expect to happen. Kamal Usman and Nick Diaz. If I said that last week, you wouldn't expect it. But now that seemingly Nick Diaz is open to the return, he's there. Um, he looked he looked a bit withered. He looked a bit older than the last time I saw him. But of course, he is 37 years old. He's no spring chicken. Uh, in average life, he is. But in the, in the sport, no, he isn't. Um, I'm just, I'm very interested to see how this will go. Because uh, there's so many great opportunities, um, he, he he may face uh, Hasmite Chimaev. I know I'm saying that wrong. Uh, I'm saying I know I'm saying that name wrong, but you know I think we all know who I'm on about. Uh, you know he could face him, and I think that would be a tough fight for both. For both, definitely. I think the wrestling of uh, Hansmite could definitely come in and and give Nick a bit of trouble, but I think also. Hasmat has the, the striking, not to the level of a Nick Diaz, but Nick Diaz hasn't been in the octagon in, in six years. 
so we don't know. Uh, you know, rust is a thing. Rust is definitely a thing in my mind. It does exist, especially after six years uh, of inactive competition. So we'll have to see how that that pans out. But well done to to everyone. I think on on this card, it was just a very fun night full of great fights, uh, really interesting moments, shocking moments, things we didn't expect, title change, title uh, title retains, um, stars were made, uh, everyone looked good. I'm going to be interested, very interested to see what the pay-per-view buy rate for this is, because um, it, it was a card that was easier to advertise three championship bouts. I'm expecting it to be higher than last time since Jorge was on this card. What's next for Jorge? I have no idea. If Nick Diaz is coming back, that's why I want to see Jorge and Nick Diaz. Just think of the advertisement for that. Wow. Think of the think of the promos those two could trash talk those two could put on each other. It's just gonna be amazing if that if that can happen. We'll have to see how Nick Diaz does if he does return um in the near future. But the plan is is for him to return. So that is something, you know, that's the furthest we've got in, with Nick Diaz in a very long time, in six years. So I'm gonna be very interested to see how this goes. I don't know what Nick Diaz um what made him return, but he's back. And his brother Nate fighting on UFC 262, another card that looks like an absolute banner. Uh, charge, uh, charge, Charles or Olivera, uh, the um, Michael Chandler for the uh, lightweight championship. That's going to be great. That's going to be great. Um, and Nick Diaz, or Nate Diaz, should I say, taking on Leon Edwards. That's going to be great. Um, I'm just I'm excited for fights, man. This year, 2021, has been a weird year, but a fantastic year for fighting. It feels like some things are changing. It, it feels like things are changing in the UFC landscape. And of course, on July 10th, we'll have Connor and Poirier. I mean, it's it's so exciting. The amount of fights we've got in such a short period of time, we're four months into 2021. Uh, we're basically close to the end of April now. So basically five months in and wow. I mean, with an event like we just had, uh, yesterday, uh, something special that is going on this year, and I'm excited to watch and see how that progresses. Um, definitely. But other than that, thank you for listening to the episode. Thank you for listening to my rambly thoughts on this event. It was a great event. I do recommend it fully. I think you should definitely check it out. A lot of special moments, a lot of shocking moments, gory moments, brutal moments with Chris Weidman. Um, but other than that, just really, you should search it, um, search for it. Get a fight pass, do whatever you have to do to watch it, because I think it was a really fun event. 